Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 53, brought to you by MAPT. It's just me and you today, Rachel, I think. I um, think. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Rachel so Grubbs. instead of Ask the Dean, it'll be uh, Ask the Otherwise Pre-Med Experts. <laughs> that's okay. Um, even Jeopardy is Jeopardy without Alex Trebek. So Indeed. Uh, Rachel Grubbs, co-founder of MAPT. If you haven't checked out MAPT yet, what are you waiting for? I would love to know what uh, what your hesitation is. Free two-week trial over at mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. How are you today? I'm good. I've got a little cold or maybe allergies, but, you know, I'm still having a nice day. I'm excited to answer some pre-med questions. Yeah. One of the one of the benefits of COVID is I haven't had a cold in forever. It's kind of nice. Well, you know, on Saturday, I went to my nephew's graduation party. It was my first unmasked activity in, you know, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping <laughs> it's just a coincidence that now I feel cruddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, hopefully everyone is healthy and happy. Um, it is the Monday after National Pre-Med Day. Uh, National Pre-Med Day this year was a blast. 30-plus speakers, 30-ish sessions. Um, mm-hmm. Lots and lots and lots of uh, pre-meds, hopefully, touched and informed and educated and, and hopefully will make a difference on their journey to medical school. Great keynote speaker, Dr. Samson Davis. Yeah. Um, all those sessions are being chopped up currently so that you can watch them individually or the full live stream is still available over at mapped.tv as of right now. Yep. All right. I want to answer some questions. Yeah, let's get into it. There's a couple pre-asks if you want to check yeah. the private chat. So the first one here, in the summer of 2017, I lived in Bulgaria for three months and I want to list it on my application. If I put other, it asks me, to list a contact, but hobbies doesn't. Is it okay if I put it as a hobby or should I do other and list myself as a contact? Thank you for doing this on national or on on this on Memorial day. Um, so my question is why do you want to list living in another country as an activity that in of itself is not an activity. If you want to list traveling as a hobby, uh, potentially do that. But living in another country for a couple of months, I wouldn't necessarily list it in the application. It's just a little bit weird. Uh, what are you trying to say there? Um, but potentially, I, I've seen travel plenty of times. Uh, but if you put travel and the only place you've gone is Bulgaria, well, that doesn't really mean travel either. So that's a weird one for me, Rachel. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a weird um, byproduct of living in a country that is so both physically large and sort of psychologically isolated that we do sometimes get this idea that like I was in one travel, one country for a couple months and now I've been broadened. And especially 
in Europe, um, that's considered pretty cliche and like, no, no hate to this person. We're just, we're talking across admissions in general. If the only travel you've done to Europe then con- is to Europe, then consider that maybe your horizons haven't been broadened mm-hmm. that much. Um, now that said, um, maybe there's something that happened in those three months that was really eye-opening. Um, or maybe you said Bulgaria because you know there's a character limit and actually you did a whole lot of travel or maybe you did volunteer work while you were there. Um, so, you know, applicant choice. But if the only thing you have to say is I was in this physical place for three months, then yeah, I don't yeah. think that's an activity. Well, I, I almost always know why students are putting stuff on there and and typically students will put living in foreign countries to sell that they're culturally aware, that they love being around diverse people, that kind of thing, which again is like, everyone says that. Um, and, and to me, that's just a sales pitch that doesn't need to go on there. But if you truly love traveling then talk about traveling, talk about where you love to be, where, where's your favorite place to be? Where do you hope to go next? That's different than going, I lived in Bulgaria and I am definitely culturally aware and I put myself out there and I, I went outside of my comfort zone. And that's just a sales pitch trying to pitch an agenda, which I don't typically recommend. Yeah, I agree that it could possibly be that. And then this is something that comes up in college admissions a lot more than med admissions, but it is a um, dangerously unself-aware thing to think that you are culturally aware because you've been to Europe. <laughs> and and again, I mean, I've been to Europe a bunch of times and I haven't been to many other places. Yeah. I did live in Mexico for a while as a child. There's, um, there's a reason why us as Americans love to go to Europe. Right. Because it's <laughs> they not speak English. <laughs> it's developed nations. And many times it's more developed than our country. Oh, how dare I say it? Um, uh, so yeah, again, no disrespect to this person, but just... Yeah, think think through what you're saying about the grand scheme of of the world and how how different was it, right? Did they have running water and heat? <laughs> um, so do you. Um, all, right. all right. Next one here. Do some medical students in some DO schools arrange for their own clerkships and pay for it? Thank you very much. Yes. I don't know about the pay for it part, but yes. Uh, some schools kind of have you um, schedule your own clerkships? Yeah, I saw this was just one school and I'm not going to name it partly because I'm not positive I'm remembering correctly, but someone had posted on Twitter recently a screenshot and I did click through to the med school to see, or to the program to see, not med school. And um, there was an application fee of $150 for MD and $4,150 for DO. And that. So, so that's not the medical school. That's the, right. hospital, it's the hospital where students want to do some like elective rotations and stuff. Right. And, and to me, that's just atrocious and, and yeah. unnecessary. And I would yeah. definitely call out those programs in the future. I just don't remember which one and I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. That's, but yeah, I mean, y'all have Google abilities. I, I actually believe my, my home institution, University of Colorado is one of them does, that does that. Oh, yeah, might have been that one, actually. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, last one here. Should I spell out numbers in my activity descriptions and personal statement? No. Save, save your characters. 
save your characters. This is not a, are you following proper English format and grammar rules? Um, don't, don't worry about that. Um, so Rachel, as, as we're recording this, we're about a week or two away from rolling out probably in beta, the pre-physician associate, as they are now known, um, pre-physician associate kind of user uh, ability on mapped. So the, the goal there is, is pre-PA students can go onto mapped and when you register, it'll say, are you, are you on your pre-med journey or in are are on, or are you on your pre-PA journey? Uh, and then the onboarding will be a little bit different, the questions that they ask you. And then mapped will it'll look mostly the same. Uh, you'll have to look hard to see the differences. Obviously, the biggest one is that you're not going to have an AMCAS, TMDSAS, and a Comus GPA. You're going to have a CASPA GPA. Uh, you're not going to have an MCAT tab and, and graphs. You're going to have a PACAT tab and graphs, as well as GRE, uh, the ability to add GRE into that as well. Uh, and then obviously one of the biggest ones, instead of med schools, you're going to have PA schools. So we're working on putting all of those finishing touches on there. And then obviously we know that students change their mind, right? There are pre-PA students who want to go to medical school, pre-med students who decide to go to PA school. And so with a click of a button, once you're inside of MAPT, you can just flip a switch and go, I'm pre-med now. Or I'm pre-PA now. And yep. all of your data is still there. We will change all the calculations, obviously, that you put in MCAT stuff if you were pre-PA before or uh, PA CAT stuff if you were pre-med before. Um, and so hopefully the user interface there um, will make it nice and easy for pre-PA students here in the future. And that will be the testing ground for uh, once, once we kind of see how all of that works. Um, the, the back end is built so that we can then add pre-dent and pre-vet and pre-farm and pre-PT and kind of all of the pre-health journey. On oh, there. yeah. That's the goal. Yes, yeah. Yes. I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah. I think uh, for one thing, because there is so much overlap, you know, especially I think if you're, if you're three or four years out from your graduate program, you may still be debating um, and so much of those those early years are similar um, in terms of, you know, the similar similar prereqs, honestly, similar shadowing, because if you're not just if you're not sure, it's probably a good idea to shadow a couple different health professionals, start to get a better idea of what's really drawing you in. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I, I look forward to the ongoing expansion and improvement. Yes. Um, what else is going on? I, I'm anxiously awaiting Thursday, I believe, is when the, the new USA Today bestsellers list comes out. Okay. Um, it, I, th I, I think, looking at everything, it ends like Sunday for that week. And so, because my, my book released um, last week, it'll stop yesterday, the 30th, and then Thursday comes the list. But we shall see. We shall see. <laughs> I mean, either way, it sounds like this book has been something that students have really wanted. I mean, bestseller or not, you you mentioned that even before the release date, it had already um, required more copies than all the other books combined. So this seems to really be filling a niche for that overview of the over, of the entire experience. Yeah. 
And yeah, from what it sounds like, I think that this has been something for both students and parents, you know, I think there are a lot of family members who want to support and just don't quite understand all the ins and outs. And that's something we hear from you guys a lot, you know, like even my mom who really loves me still doesn't quite get it. (laughs) That's, that's why the pre-med playbook guide to being a pre-med parent uh, is also (laughs) kind of in the list of to do's for four bucks. So. Yeah, I would love an ebook version of that before yeah. we do the full book, you know, something that parents can download as like a starting primer before we do the full on book. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, we've got a question here. It's a long one. There have been some issues with AMCAS receiving electronic transcripts this year, and I am worried about it delaying my application. For example, I submitted mine nearly two weeks ago. My school lists it as delivered, but AMCAS says it's not received is emailing or messaging AMCAS to try to speed up the process look down upon? Could it potentially be a negative mark on my application? No, it won't be a negative mark on your application because AMCAS is used to getting the, the kind of brunt of <laughs> students' dismay during this process. Yeah. Uh, obviously, be uh, professional and, and polite. Uh, emailing AMCAS will not help, though, in, in as, far as, I'm, as far as I'm aware of the situation. It's, it's a breakdown between the two systems. Uh, right. And I forget the name of the, the parchment company. Parchment. Yes. Yeah. Um, between parchment and AMCAS, there's some sort of breakdown there. Not necessarily AMCAS's issue. Uh, probably AMCAS's issue, just knowing, <laughs> knowing their issues in the past. Uh, but I, I don't know whose issue it is this year. Yeah. Um, but, but here's, here's where, I think typical pre-med students get this thought in their head that they're alone in this situation. Every student whose school uses parchment to, to transmit transcripts electronically to services like AMCAS are having this issue. You are not the only one. And so you have to think to yourself at some point when you're, when you're writing this email, is this necessary? Am I the only one out there that has this issue that AMCAS needs to know, hey, I have a problem that you've probably haven't seen before, right? AMCAS knows that this is an issue. AMCAS can see in your account that your transcripts are not received yet, but are requested. And so in my mind, there's really nothing you can do, but it doesn't hurt to just send an email and go, hey, any any ETA on this. So yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, yeah, well, you may want to worry about it, right? But yeah, I don't think worrying is going to get you anywhere. Yeah, we know AMCAS knows it's an issue because they've posted it on their website. When you're on the AMCAS page, it's in the sidebar that says, like, alert, there's a known issue with parchment. Um, and then when you're on the parchment FAQ page, they explain that downloaded just means someone opened it and clicked download. And my guess is, is that opening it and clicking download is not the same as whatever multiple steps in AMCAS is inevitably taking to download it, like verify that it's what they think it is, re-upload it to their system and click whatever button, right? So there's some labor or laborers who are probably doing that really important, but also kind of thankless and unrewarding work. And they're doing it slowly and carefully because it's important to get it right. So yeah, again, I understand why you guys are frustrated. I would be too, but I don't even know if this is a breakdown. I just think this is one of those things that you hope is instantaneous and it's not. 
Yeah. Sorry. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right. I have 400 plus hours of clinical EMT work, but no shadowing hours due to COVID. I finally got a shadowing lead, but can't start until the end of June. Should I delay submitting my application until July? Um, I, I would not. Uh, I would submit as soon as you can with the fact that you don't have shadowing on there. I, I think schools, especially for AMCAS, because there's not a COVID-19 question, schools, a lot of schools on their secondaries have a question, how has COVID impacted you? You can talk about shadowing there and what you'll be up to. For COMIS, the COVID-19 question is built into the application, the primary application, so you can, you can add it there. Uh, but I wouldn't delay your application because honestly, what are you gonna put on there? Shadowing just started <laughs> like yeah it'll be on there but you're not not really putting much on there yep yeah i miss one i'm gonna go back as a non-trad i'm tired of explaining to everyone non-med people of my journey many discouraging voices and many contradicting voices how should i respond to the next person who says i won't get in uh thank you for your thoughts F you. <laughs> That's funny. I was going to say, yeah, they don't know. They don't get it. I have no idea why people want to pull other people down from dreaming. Like a bucket of crabs. You know that analogy? I don't. Yeah. So it's a bucket of crabs. Um, people, People love living in misery. They love company with that. And the, the bucket of crabs analogy is if you ever look at a bucket of crabs, you'll see a crab trying to get out of the bucket and all the other crabs grab them and pull them back down. Uh, oh. and, that, and that's human psychology is, is the, everyone thinks that it's a zero sum world out there. And if you're getting ahead, that means they're not going to be able to. And so you you separate yourself as much as possible from those people say, thank you for your thoughts. And you, you don't talk to them as much moving forward. You, you have complete control over that. And if it's a mom, a dad, a sister, brother, you talk to them less. Yeah. Yeah. I think where it gets tricky is if the people who are discouraging you are the people who financially support you. And I know sometimes that's the case. And then I think you just have to make some tough decisions about, how much you're going to confront. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, and that's true for lots of things. It's not just going to be your career, right? Walking away from toxic people is usually more productive than confronting them because there's a big difference between don't understand and don't want to understand. Yeah. Hmm. We need something cheerful. <laughs> my wife and I are both pre-meds in the case I'm accepted accepted we are still deciding whether she should wait till I get into residency before starting if random things happen and she's in med school and I get accepted to an out-of-state residency how hard is it to transfer to another medical school so transferring medical schools is basically impossible uh, don't expect it don't I mean, you can try it, but it's 0.0000 whatever percent chance of ever happening. Um, so I wouldn't try to play that game. Um, honestly, I, I think if there are no kids involved, I'd just say go for it and do your best <laughs> and, and figure it out as you go. Um, I, I think because 
the match process is set up for couples matches. And if you don't know that, that's a good thing to look into. Basically, the hardest challenge for you is going to be getting into the same medical school. Now, you could increase your chances by applying to areas where there is a large population of medical schools, say New York City, right? If you you live in New York City, you have you have uh, Einstein, Sinai, Columbia, NYU, you have a couple DO schools, um, you have New York Med, my alma mater, just north in Westchester. You can go across the river um, into Jersey, to Rutgers, places like that. So you could find some schools that are close in proximity to where you, you don't have to get into the same medical school. But when it comes to residency, you will do what is what's known as couples matching. And so let's let's say that maybe one of you get in and one of you don't one year. Well, the one that gets in a year ahead of time could potentially delay applying to residency, go do a research year or something like that, so that you two are applying together, again, in what's known as a couples match. And and you don't have to be married, boyfriend, girlfriend, you can be best friends in couples match. It's just a kind of a checkbox that you put on your application for residency. And what that does is you apply to all the, the residency programs, and together you are forming your residency match list to say, I'll match here. If she matches here, I'll match here. If she matches here, I'll match. And and you go through this kind of procession progression of, of where you'll match based on where you've had interviews, obviously. Um, that's what I did with, with my, at, at the time, fiance. Um, we couples matched. And basically it was uh, I want to match at my number one program. She wants to match at her number one program. And the next one was she matches at her number one program and I don't match. That was my second, um, second line because it was more important for me to have her go to her number one program and I would figure out if I didn't get matched into my top program, which I did, which was, which was good. Um, so made it made match week a little less chaotic. Um, but there, there are lots of opportunities once you're in school. So I, I don't think she should wait and delay, uh, putting her career to the side, um, so that you can start. And because at the end of the day, there's, there's so much that you can't control. And so just go for it and, and understand that there, there may be some times where you're apart for a little bit. You're muted. I was coughing before. Uh, I'm just going to chime in. I understand you were just giving an example from your own personal life, but I just want to say one of the many reasons that I like you is that you put Allison's career first. That's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for holding this Q&A Memorial Day. You're welcome. My question is regarding GPA trend. You've mentioned a downward GPA trend is concerning. How does a stagnant 3.0-ish science GPA trend look, both undergrad and S&P? It looks bad. It, it doesn't look good. I, I had this conversation the other day with a student. Um, it, it looks like you're a 3.0 student, which unfortunately typically is not good enough to prove to medical schools that you're going to handle their coursework because what you do in medical school is going to be leaps and bounds uh, not necessarily harder, but just the volume is so much more that it's it's that much harder to stay on top of it all, and and you will suffocate, unfortunately. Yeah. So, and that the concerning thing for me is a three point oh GPA in an SMP, 
that's medical school. Like students need to be getting three, six, three, seven and above ideally um, in their SMPs and post back work, because that's the time where you're going, I know I screwed up in undergrad, but here's the real me. And the real you is a 3.0-ish GPA. So a student like this, potentially, that's where we start talking about, well, maybe the Caribbean's a good option for you. But it's still very concerning for me because mm -hmm. I don't know if you've proven that you're a good enough student to finish and do well in medical school. Uh -huh. And if you go to the Caribbean, you need to do even better than your U.S. counterparts. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, you know, for this question asker, you're asking how it looks and I don't know if that means it's already happened or you worried, you're worried it's coming, but I think rather than thinking about how it looks, what you need to think about is why are my grades stagnant, right? Like what, what's been happening that you're getting the same results, um, you know, and maybe that's that you're, um, you're under-resourced or you're spread too thin and you have to figure out if there's something in your life that you can put down or, you know, maybe you haven't been asking for help and asking for help is such an important part of getting better at school. Um, very few of us get better all on our own. Um, but I think that's that's the direction your your thoughts should be going to as opposed to how does it look is how am I going to improve my skills here? Okay. Do you need patient care experience, like being a CNA or EMT, or is clinical experience enough? Scribing patient nav, etc. So, in general, those are kind of put into one bucket: CNA, EMT, scribing. Those are all medical slash clinical experiences. Uh, ideally the experiences where you're interacting with patients more directly are the ones that are going to be a little bit more beneficial. The ones where you're going to potentially have a little bit more emotion, a little bit more impact that you're going to be able to reflect on. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily separate them in terms of patient care versus clinical, because in the way that we talk, they're all the same clinical experiences, clinical experience. On mapped, I have an upward trend of 0 0.9. Is there a specific number we should be looking for in regards to upward trend or should it just be green? I want to get rid of that trend line uh, yeah. because it's it's not – the calculation there is only semester to semester and not necessarily a, a big trend. 0 0.9 obviously is big. if that That's going from a 3.1 to a 4.0. Um, ideally what we're looking for is over the course of several semesters. So ignore that little trend line and arrow or trend number and arrow and just look at the green, uh, trend in mapped itself. And we can, I'll actually share my screen. I was just here. saying, yeah, we should do a demo. Yeah. I'll share my screen and pull up the demo account here. Uh, yeah. And again, I agree with Ryan. Like we, we should remove that because it's misleading. Um, one semester does not make a trend. And that's what that, that green arrow you're referring to on the homepage, that's what that's showing. Yeah. I think the, um, the class standing GPA or the semester green line are the much more important data points. Yeah. So looking at this, like this number, ignore this number, because it literally is just 3.7 
to four zero, which that doesn't even. Or no, it's point oh four. So it's it's accumulated here three two five to three two nine. That's what that is. Um, so ignore this number and look at this green. Like this is a great upward trend. It's three eight ish and above. It's consistent and sustained over many semesters. Four credits, not a lot of credits. There's eight credits, better eight credits, and then just a couple credits here. Uh, but this is like if we were to to get rid of these other ones, if you, if you guys didn't know, you can click on those and it gets rid of them. This is the the trend line that you should be looking at. Yeah. I also think it's helpful to look at um, class standing GPA in the more detail. Yeah. So not this first one, but yeah, the second row. It takes a second to load. But that often, if you've got a good upward or downward trend, will tell that story. Yeah. So you can see here, this is the perfect example of when I talk about your final number may not be sexy, uh, but having three seven three three eight three seven four zero, and it's obviously it's not a ton of credits here. We're, this is just a demo account, uh, but that's that's uh, the upward trend that medical schools can see. They don't just see this three point two nine; they'll see it mm -hmm. all. Yep. Cool. It's a good question, though. Thank you for asking. Thank you for reminding us that we want to we want to improve the way those numbers read so that it's more clear to you. Yep, yep. When do secondaries come? Uh, later in July. No, June. <laughs> yeah. What month is it? It's the end of May. Uh, the mid to to late June, depending on the application service. Mm -hmm. And if you attended Inside Med Admissions Secondaries last Wednesday, you've already heard us say this, but pre-write your secondaries. If you are one of the ones who's already submitted your primary or that's coming up for you soonish, use that time that your primary is being verified to get those secondaries done. Muy importante. Sí. How hard is it to fit in more than just light exercise and stretching throughout medical school? Um, it's not hard as long as you you plan it. Um, I had friends who were big bodybuilders, friends who were running marathons, friends who just continue to do what they want. If you prioritize that, then that's fine. It means you have to be more efficient with everything else. Um, but I, I think we as students because of this this stupid thing, have become um, more and more tethered to this, and it makes our studying so inefficient because That's we have so this right next to us, and it's dinging. And, and there are studies that show, like when you get a ding for a notification, a text message, a new Instagram post, somebody's going live on TikTok, whatever it is, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to get back into the flow state you were in before that ding. And if you figure, hey, you get three text messages an hour, your whole hour is basically shot with inefficient studying. So ideally what you're doing is you're being very intentional with your time. And you're saying, I need to have an hour and a half every day where I'm doing heavy lifting, I'm doing cardio, I'm doing my long runs, whatever it is that you want to do. And then you're filling in the rest of your time and saying, okay, I need to study this chapter and this chapter and whatever that you need to cover. 
and and this stupid thing gets locked away and just mm-hmm. put it away and ignore it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely hide my phone when I work. Um, sometimes to the point of confusion to Ryan or Scott who are texting me, although mostly now they know to just Slack me. I will check Slack during work because that's work. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and it took me, I mean, I'm 20 years into my career, but um, it took a long period of time for me to coach my friends and family to understand that yes, I loved them and no, I was not going to accept their calls or emails or texts. Cause when I, you know, first started working, it was still phone calls. That's how old I am. Um, during the work day. And a lot of people really took offense of it. And I just didn't care. Like I know personally what Ryan said for me is totally true. I think there are some people who can switch gears faster. I'm not one of them. Like if you take me out of my train, I can, I can jump around with work stuff. But if you take my work out, my head out of work, it takes me a long time to get back in and more if I'm learning as opposed to doing work that I already understand pretty well. Um, so yeah, usually if I'm here in the office, my phone is like charging in the kitchen two rooms away. You know, I, I, I strongly recommend that. And then yeah, exercise is just whatever activity, right? It might be spending time with your loved one, it might be sleeping. You just have to decide what you're prioritizing. Yeah. Oh, here. It's a funny follow up to that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know phones took up that much. Yeah. They take a lot of brain power away. There, there's even studies that show um, it's it's funny we're talking about this because I was in in the old pre meds podcast I recorded today. This the student was basically concerned that they've written stuff that that says psychology is is like a lie. It's not a real science. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, I don't know if that's a, an appropriate thing to talk about in an application. But um, one of the things that there's there was a study that I heard on another podcast, actually, I think the short coat podcast um, of if your phone is face down on the table, there's, it's still taking brain power away from you because you know, it's there. It's right in front of you. And you're like, if I turn it over, will I see a notification? If it, is it, does it not buzz if it's face down? Oh, let me check if I missed something because it didn't buzz. And, and just having it there is a complete distraction. Yeah. Um, Adrian, our friend over on Instagram, who's um, staff sergeant to MD PhD, um, I know that one of her tricks is that she turns on those auto notifications because it's important to her to be responsive. Like I've just taught my loved ones, like you know, look, I'll get back to you. I get back to you, <laughs> but you know, she's probably got the more polite mo, and she just turns on a thing so that as soon as someone texts, they get a. I'm working, I'm not looking at my phone, but I'm going to be checking my phone again at this time. Mm. Um, so, you know. That's it's, very smart. Yeah. She's she's pretty smart, that Adrian. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to manage that. Okay, someone calls I, it Schrodinger's I notification. Yeah. I <laughs> is it there or is it not? Yes. And you can only know if you check. So, yeah. um, all right, let's The only reason back I this. know about Schrodinger is because of Big Bang Theory. Oh, really? Yeah. is the feedback feature available now i haven't gotten any feedback yet on what i should work on and i wanted to check so this is one of the biggest um i don't want to say disappointments one of the biggest frustrations that i've had is is our implementing um feedback and and so let me show you feedback actually let's let's show students what the feedback is 
Yeah. Let me, I gotta log that. out of my account and log back into my. Uh, so this is my admin account, and so feedback is is this. So this is what we see on our end, and um, you could you saw it took a, a few seconds to load. And so these are all the feedbacks that we've pushed out, just a lot of basic things. Um, time to start your personal statement based on application timing, what you have set. Um, one of the ones that I was working on recently is... You can see this is part of the... Three or four. Yeah, part I'm going to zoom in. You may have to zoom further on your own browser. Um... So let's see. I think it's on page three or four. It's like towards the end. Oh, like this is this is one I was working on. Yeah. So upward science GPA. And so you can see this is how um, we build our feedback algorithms. So if your science GPA in your first 20 credit hours was less than a three, or your first 40 was less than a three, and your science GPA in your last 20, your last 40 have been better, then here's kind of the information that we're going to give. Or we can, we can say, hey, if you started off good and you're not doing so great now, we can give you some different feedback. Um, and so this is the kind of stuff that we've been trying to work on. Um, we've had a lot of issues with these robust calculations because these calculations aren't stored anywhere. These are all done on the fly. And we found out just like two weeks ago because I was starting to work on these uh, more because we had other things that we implemented that made it easier to do these um, was that doing these robust calculations on the thousands of students who are in mapped just would hang up the whole system. And so now our developers uh, literally this week are working on a more efficient way of doing these things. Um, so that's that's why feedback has been less than stellar, and it's something that that uh, haunts me when I go to bed every night. And so you can see um, here something. I know I know which ones Rachel does because they say hello, hi Mapper. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, well because I wrote a bunch of them before I yeah, found I the first name variable, yeah. and also drives me crazy that our variables aren't alphabetical. I know. <laughs> Um, so you can see here activity hours greater than 100, et cetera, et cetera. And your start date, uh, med school start date is less than 2022, which means you're applying this year. Uh, and so here's some information for you. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is how we build mapped um, feedback. And so you can look at kind of the, the things that we can choose from and see that really almost every single data point that you give us and then including some the ability to do some math on that data um, is is a potential point for comparison and everything else mm-hmm. so the question for you after seeing all of this um, I, I think there's always some maybe misunderstanding of what feedback is of like Rachel, you and I going into someone's account and going, hey, I saw you did X, Y, and Z. Here's what you should do next. 
but that's not what it is. I mean, kind of it is, but it's it's more algorithmic. It's based on the data itself and not someone laying eyes directly on a student's account. So for the students, um, the students wanting the feedback, waiting for feedback, uh, what type of feedback are you looking for on activities, GPA, et cetera? Let us know, um, and that'll help us prioritize as we move forward. Um, and if you email info at maps.com, then we can actually go directly into your account and kind of see, and that's that's where some of the, the feedback variable creating comes in, is we do go into some people's accounts and go, well, what kind of feedback would this student get? And let's start to create, and then we have the ability to see how many students would get that feedback based on what we create. So anyway. I don't know if that yeah, and I guess one other thing I'll say, so yeah, part of it is understanding what feedback is. And I know right now a lot of um, a lot of the feedback is actually announcements, which I still think are really helpful. I just understand that that's not exactly the same thing. Like maybe it needs to be in another section. We've talked about building an events calendar um, because a lot of the announcements are sort of time sensitive. So it might make sense to have that in a separate section. Mm-hmm. Um but then also to the extent that we've built feedback this year, because the tool officially rolled out in like February, but then like Ryan said, there were a lot of bugs. The limited bandwidth we had um, to give feedback this year, we did focus pretty heavily on people who wanted to apply in May or June of 2021 to start med school in 2022. Um, one or two people have chimed in in the comments to say, well, I got feedback and, and thank you. Um, and yeah, I think that does mean that sometimes our, I was going to say younger, but more like further out from med school students haven't gotten as much. Um, Now that we've got a lot of our bugs worked out and now that, you know, pretty much at this point, the 2022 cycle people, like they're rolling, right? Like it's not that they, not that there's not still work to do, but at this point they've made a choice to apply or not to apply with what they've got. So we can start helping to pull forward for those of you that are applying in one year, two years, three years. Um, ooh, I like this. Another pre-write question. You mentioned pre-writing. Other than checking Reddit SDN, is there a good place to find specific previous secondary essays from individual schools rather than the general why us? So, yeah, secondaryapps.com is um, is the medical school headquarters kind of version of a secondary essay database. Um, it should be up to date. I think there's one school that we found that wasn't. And so you can cross-reference uh, what you want to do uh, or cross-reference the different schools where you're applying just to make sure that they all kind of look the same. Schools, for the most part, don't change from year to year. But right. that's not to say they didn't last year and, and we missed it. But that's where. Yep. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, if you're a MAP user, MAP. you can just go to med schools. Yeah, and the med schools will just link out to the MSHQ page <laughs> for that specific med school. Um, we'll get them in mapped at some point we're working on it now um okay oh interesting how much stigma is around doctors with tattoos you want to show know. yours ryan i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and I, I never i never show that one because yeah one, i don't see that I one know. often yeah i got one more <laughs> on my back too uh obviously this one on my on my arm uh, obviously if you're listening in a podcast you can't see um, but I have one on the inside of my right arm and my right bicep that, uh, with a t-shirt, you can see it. And there's, 
there was zero issue. Uh, every medical school will have different policies. And so if you can find potentially schools that you're interested in applying to, find their student handbook and see what they say about tattoos. Mm -hmm. But tattoos are so normal these days. Yeah. Um, Obviously, don't have your teardrop tattoos for everyone you've killed. That wouldn't be good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I often say, like, we need doctors who look like us. And usually I'm talking about, like, um, identities, you know, so yeah. race or ethnicity or gender expression. But, um, you know, I've also had people ask, like, well, what if my hair is pink? I'm like, I can't tell you what the outcomes are going to think. And I think Ryan's right. That's when it's a good moment to check the hand handbook. But, you know, I've had doctors who wore flip-flops in the office. I've had doctors with colored hair. Like, personally, I like a doctor with a little... Personality. Little, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe not everybody would, right? It's just a choice thing. Um, okay, let's see. I just saw one I wanted to go to. Okay, would you recommend your one-on-one -on -one services if we would want advice on how many schools to apply to? Uh, no, I would, I would not recommend one-on-one -on -one services for that. Um, the answer to how many schools you should apply to is how much money do you have and how much time do you have to write secondaries? Um, I think, unfortunately, we've, uh, we've seen a, um, what's the, the, an inflation of the number of schools that students are applying to. I did the math uh, a while ago, and I, I remember, I think it's about $7 million a year extra that the AAMC has made when just several years ago, several meaning not that, not that long ago, um, the average number of schools that students applied to was 14. Now it's 17. And when you, when you have 50,000 students applying to three more schools each, at $41 a pop, that's a lot of money that AAMC is making. And, and that's why there's, in, in my mind, there's a huge um, conflict in the AAMC doing all of this, aggregating all of the information in the MSAR, not publishing certain pieces of data, obfuscating some of this information so that students get stressed out and go, well, I don't know what schools to apply to. So I'm just going to apply to a ton of schools. And the beneficiary of that is the AAMC yep. uh, and the medical schools uh, ultimately, because they get extra money with secondary essays. I'm not sure if they get any kickback uh, from the AAMC from primary applications. I believe uh, liaison for a Comus does that uh, where the, the schools get a little bit of money uh, from the primary application as well. Uh, but don't quote me on that. Although uh, I will say in general, schools like to be able to say that they have a low yield, right? So like a school is usually pretty it happy. It helps for U.S. News and World Reports. Exactly. So they're going to tell anyone and everyone to apply because they're happy to have tons of applicants that they have no intention of accepting. Um, it's an ugly game. Um, so there's sort of two questions here, right? So the, the actual question on the face of it is, would you recommend one-on-one -on -one services for advice? And no, 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 because it's not that personal. Um, we've done tons of videos on it. So you can find, if you just, you know, keyword search through Ask the Deans, we've had lots of little five-minute answers to it. We've also got a couple whole videos, I think, Ryan, on your side on MedSchoolHQ on premed.tv, 
that are all about choosing a school list. Dr. Sunny Nakai did choosing a school list at the uh, 2020 National Pre-Med Day. There's a lot of really great free information from experts out there about it. Um, And then I want to kind of address this myth that people have that they're like, well, it is a numbers game, so I'm just going to apply to as many as I can because that increases my chances. And I think that there's a weird, like, um, I can't think what the word for like the faulty logic is, but it's like that's that factoid, the fallacy, fallacy, right? Um, You know, more people drown after having eaten ice cream. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Ice cream does not cause drowning. (laughs) Summertime. Have you seen that website? Um, uh, Oh, weird, weird uh, correlation website. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, so while you're looking for that, I'll finish my thought. So what I'm kind of getting at here is, you know, the average usually for secondaries is four essays. So if you're going to apply, I think the same question asker followed up to say money is tight and I keep seeing people applying to 30 plus schools. Aside from having the money to apply from 30 plus schools, those people are going to write 120 secondaries. Yeah, I don't think that. Like, are they going to be as good as if you only write at 80 essays? I mean, I don't know, maybe 80 still a ton, but it just seems like a weird way to go about it. Yeah. So think about all the students applying to 30 plus schools. If the average is 17, everyone else not applying to 30 plus schools, right? They're, they're obviously the extremes on both sides. So spurious correlations, spurious correlations at tylerviggin.com is hilarious. So let me zoom in on here a little bit. So this is where, when we say correlation doesn't equal causation, suicides by hanging, strangulation, and suffocation uh, correlates with U.S. spending on science, space, and technology. Look at that. Perfect. Right? You can manipulate data however you want. This is one of my favorite ones. (laughs) Darn you, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Cheese consumption. People died by getting tangled in their bedsheets. Uh-oh, that's me. <laughs> right. Just ridiculous. <laughs> Divorce rate in Maine and margarine consumption. Uh, so you can see uh, it's just ridiculous. So what we're saying is don't apply to more. Thinking more is better. Yeah. And that, again, I think, Rachel, you, you said it right. It's not, it's not a very personalized thing. I, I get questions like this all the time, and I don't want to take your money because I can't, I can't help you. Right. That's not that's not advice we can give because you have to do the research and just figure out how many schools you have the money to apply to and write secondaries for time to write secondaries and and just researching, researching, researching to figure out uh, what schools you should apply to. I'm very interested to see what happens with Casper's duet. I would love to kind of steal that idea. Uh, And and for those of you who don't know, duet is basically. Rachel, did, did you watch my session? Did you catch it? No, I was in a session oh. when you were with Kelly. Yeah. So, so Duet uh, is basically Bumble for medical schools and pre-med students. It's, it's a dating kind of algorithm of like, ooh, what are you interested in? Long walks on the beach or staying in for movies? And, mm-hmm. and it, it allows medical schools to kind of see what your passions are, what you're interested in, to see if you're a good fit. But I'm not sure that the students get that information. There should be that that should be public information to go, it's hey, like two way do this street. personality tests and see all the schools that fit you too. 100%. Um, unfortunately, 
you can go spend $50 on some apps and services to, to do a med school list for you. But all they're checking is what's your MCAT, what's your GPA, what's your residency, what's your ethnicity. Um, and, and maybe like, are you interested in primary care or surgery? And, and that's just basic data that doesn't tell you anything about anything. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like with, with a lot of respect, if someone wants to pay us money to do a school list with them, then I don't know what expertise they think we have, but it's primarily about you. Yeah. And we don't know you and will not get to know you well enough in 45 minutes to make those decisions. You know? We don't know all the admissions committees and medical schools to see what they're kind of behind the scenes, what they're looking for. It's just yeah. impossible. Yeah. I mean, our expertise is from hundreds of students, maybe thousands of students over, you know, a decade in, in some of our cases, decades. Right. So we've seen, trends, right? We can tell you general truths and general no-nos. But one of my favorite statements about admissions is the details change year to year, school to school, committee to committee. Yeah. And and our knowledge comes from having really good friends that are a text message and email away who are the deans and directors of admissions committees. Speaking so. of which, some of you in the MAPT members group were saying how during snapshot, you were really wigged out by having your face on the entire screen and like blown up size and inversion. So I hit everyone's names, but I passed that along to Kelly door and she's looking into fixing it. <laughs> so mm. sometimes it's good to have concerns because yep. the Casper now take all these people <laughs> will actually listen. I, I emailed her y- yesterday. I'm like, there's a typo on your website. And can you tell me every school that's using Snapshot? Because we want to know that. <laughs> Poor Kelly. It's a bake holiday and we're just like party her with stuff on a Sunday. <laughs> um, All, right. All right. So if we have schools that require Casper, are we doing it the old way or using the new Take Altus? So it's whatever they're doing. I, I think if you go to TakeCasper.com, I think it's still goes to TakeCasper.com. So I would... That that website still works. Um, yeah, but it is Altus. Like those changes were yeah. this year, so I think they're still calling it Casper. But the the new systems in place are happening now. Yeah, like I've talked to people who did the Altus and then snapshot and duet. Yeah, I go to take Casper. That's weird. So take Casper still is uh, actually if you go to takecasper.com and click on register or reserve your seat, it, it redirects you to take Altus now. Yeah. So it is all take Altus. All right. Well, we're almost seven. We probably got room for this last one here. For science letters of rec, would a cell biology laboratory teacher be considered a science professor still, or would it have to be for the main course? Lab is a is still a course, so I absolutely. Yeah, and you might actually get to know that person. Yeah, that is okay. I love this. I'm excited. One of the things that we're working on, probably in two months, maybe, uh, is more of a a village and more of a a, a better community for mapped members. Inside yes, yes, mass community of. <laughs> 
right. we'll have someone who's truly fluent in Spanish too, instead of my pretending to pull it out after 20 years of not speaking it. Yes, we have a, a new a new member of Mapped joining the team, uh, starting in two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. So a week from today, for those of you who are watching live, will be our public Ask the Dean on on YouTube. And then two weeks from today, we'll be the first Ask the Dean with our new team member. Yes, yes. Very exciting. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining Ask the Dean. Happy Memorial Day. Um, I, I posted on Instagram earlier, uh, remembering all of those who, who gave their life um, for our country. Uh, I was excited to serve beside the men and women of this country. Uh, I was lucky enough not to know anyone while I was in um, who who gave the ultimate sacrifice. One of the the cool, I would say I would say cool um, things that I did in the military was I was stationed in Dover, Delaware, uh, which is the the home for the the military mortuary mortuary, um, and so everyone who was killed in action um, would come to Dover, Delaware. And that's where our uh, coroner were um, and uh, all, all that stuff. So we had all of the, just, it was very interesting to be part of that mission. Um, so it was a privilege. Yeah. But thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah. We'll see you next week for a live Acidine. Um, can can we do, can we just say it here live? Like, let's do an hour and a half for the live Acidines. Oh, that's a good if, idea. If we can yeah. make it work, because there's a lot more people, a lot more questions. I should be able to do the extra half hour. So, yeah, as long as you and I can, at least some of us can do it. Yeah, I can. Cool. All righty. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it on the back end. So, we'll start at the same time and then add the extra half hour on the back end. Yeah, I'll go update the stream. Awesome sauce. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week. See you next time. Take care. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.